1: Get your quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust progressive progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law.
2: Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Welcome to the show. Great to have you got a great show planned for you. We're going to be talking about bad therapy advice. A lot of it, those coming from the internet, so it's more or less social media, bad therapy advice. God bless everyone. Everyone's a hashtag mental health advocate on one hand. I love it. It's raising awareness. It's normalizing. It's getting us familiar hearing people talk about mental health struggles, which gives us the languaging and the courage and the confidence, um, especially when it's people that are public figures. you know, We're like, wow, if they struggle too, I can really feel more secure in my struggle and it provide some solutions and support and community. It's Awesome. It's awesome. It's awesome. 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 I want to live in a world where we can openly talk about, I've been depressed all week or had a massive trauma occur. Um, struggling with my drug and, you know, my relationship to drugs or alcohol or, you know, disordered eating or my relationship to my body. I'm feeling very, you know, some dysmorphia around my body. Like that's life. That's just life. We all have pieces of this at different times. It, it should be normal. There should be no shame in that. I, I always am saying I'm trying to cry more and cry more in public, especially as a as a man It's so powerful and healing and normalizing. But then there's also a darker side, which is some of these people are not trained therapists and they're giving advice that's not right or it's not correct. Or they're just regurgitating old, outdated stuff that isn't right or correct or isn't healthy so you have to be thoughtful about where you're getting information from just because someone has a cajillion million billion followers does not mean they know what they're talking about in fact it actually means they don't know what they're talking about joe rogan's a good example you know the horrible advice he'd been given around covid that was actually very dangerous and he has a cajillion million billion followers and there's some other people doing stuff like that so just be very thoughtful you know so we're going to kind of be talking about that um different kinds of therapy advice to avoid at all costs on the internet Like I said, Internet's been awesome. It's led some conversations, inspired people, shaped conversations, getting something started. Um, I I love that the younger generations are using a lot of mental health languaging. They're asking for mental health breaks and time off. They're talking about self-care, community care. They're acknowledging that they need a break from social media. They're asking for better controls on things. They're leaving jobs that don't serve them. People are like, oh my God, no one wants to work anymore. No, they do. They just don't want to work for a job where they're not getting healthcare or treated right or paid. And companies are closing. Literally, I know some companies that had to close because they can't hire anyone. That's because you're not a great company to work for. Because if you're a good company to work for, people will be lining up to work there. That's We have the evidence of that. Um, so I'm glad people are taking care of themselves. They're pushing back. They're like, if that's not good for my mental health, I'm not doing it. I, my whole life is centered around my mental health. I won't step into something that's not good for me. That's why I'm still working from home. I'm not prepared to be stepping back into any space around others or the public um, based on what's going on in my life. And also the fact that we're still in a pandemic and other reasons like center, prioritize your mental health first. We have nothing without it. But there's a lot of bad advice out there, and there's a lot of people with huge followings that are leaning into this that's awesome, but just because you've read a few books or you're you know, stealing other people's posts doesn't mean you're a mental health expert or scholar. I've been doing this stuff for two decades. I went through a master's program, I went through two doctoral programs, and I got a major certification that took five years. All of that taught me something. I couldn't have learned all of that having just read a few articles or, or read a few books. Um, Yes, there's a lot of worth and value to non-academic knowledge and wisdom. I'm not knocking that. Um, I pull from a lot of non-academic resources. I pull from some things like Eastern philosophy, which has been around for thousands and thousands more years than psychology. Psychology as a field is not that old. So there's ancient wisdom that is more powerful and more meaningful. And in fact, that psychology is often stolen from. Um, But a lot of the standard things in the mental health field aren't right aren't correct, are outdated, no longer are relevant, like when they're talking about men or women. Okay, we know that there's more genders and sexes than that. Update, move on, and let's accommodate and include everyone. It's a rough example. We know know that there's not a male brain and a female brain. Um, we know that there's not a gay gene. It doesn't exist like that. There's so many, there's different kinds of gayness. There's not a gay community. There's gay communities. They're all different, all different values and norms. Like there's so many things we're undoing. You know, the stages of grief and loss aren't about us going for grief and loss. They were written about someone who's dying. It's about their own experience of their own death. We also know that those stages aren't even the real stages. So there's so much misinformation. Evolutionary psychology has a lot of issues in homophobia and sexism there's just so much we need to update we use the word like sex addiction and porn addiction those are not real things the major psychological bodies have rejected those those are not universal operational definitions that the insurance companies accept those aren't real but we still sling those terms around and a lot of people that are big you know platforms are still using those words like that's a real psychological thing that's a mislabel for other psychological issues so My point being, be very thoughtful about the sources and resources you're looking at and using and guiding your life by. There's a lot of crap out there and we're going to break down some of it. You know, some of these are a little light and fluffy, but we're looking at the ones that I have been seeing on other people's social media. Um, we can do a deeper, more academic deep dive, but that's not really for the show. Um, I do some of that in my book, sex outside the lines, my first book, I do do a lot of critical thought around the field of psychology. So maybe pick that up. Rebel love has a little bit of that as well, but that's what we're going to be focusing on tonight. Bad internet advice. Bum, 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 Don don uh, and they'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us as always, drop the DMs in our love line, IG page. And, uh, yeah. So stick around y'all. Listening to Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back.
0: Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
2: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game.
0: You have 47 new voicemails. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast, all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Odyssey Podcast.
2: All right, y'all, we are back and we are going to be debunking some bad social media advice. Uh, let's start this first one. Dun dun dun. I love this one. Again, I'm pulling this from a bunch of different resources, kind of translate and changing some of it. But I want to dire- directly quote this from an article in Candidly. It said, Reading internet advice does not equal going to real life therapy. The reason why I like that is because, again, this is just random blurbs that people are pulling out of context. That doesn't mean that these mantras and quotes and sound bites aren't really healing and normalizing. I've screenshotted some that I wanted to kind of hold on to, I've written some down. Um, but real therapy is re- a lot deeper and more powerful than that. Um, Soundbites and quotes and snapshots and IG pages, those are complementary and, and supplementary things that can be a really beautiful part of our journey. But don't let that be a stand-in for real therapy which is an ongoing deep relationship that can be challenging and like I said, transformative and we're, we're, we're digging into the courage to look at ourselves and how we're moving through the world and, and all sorts of really beautiful things um, where looking at internet advice is safe, it can feel very comfortable, um, it doesn't create what we call deeper level change, it's more superficial first order change where you're not a different person thinking differently or moving differently through the world, it's a little bit of a quick tip or trip, trip. Trip, is that the word? Trick, sorry. Um, Kind of like the difference between, I don't know, if you're trying to work on your strength and flexibility, taking the stairs one day and stretching, that's cool. Might make you feel a little better that day, but that didn't really change the structure of your body. Where the ongoing focus on posture and stretching, and maybe some weightlifting for bone density and mass building, that actually changes your structure. And that's what therapy is like. It's an ongoing thing. It's kind of like medication, you have to take it consistently to let it really build up in your system to work. You can't pop a Prozac antidepressant on the fly when you want it, like it's an ibuprofen. It doesn't work like that. Um, so just be aware of that. When I say, are you working on yourself? It can't be, yes, I follow a bunch of mental health Instagram accounts. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> That's l- light and fun and can be a Band-Aid. But are you doing the deeper work of sitting with yourself, examining the way you're moving through the world? Do you know what I mean? Like all that deeper self-reflected work, which can be very scary and overwhelming, but very important. So sit with that. Um <clears throat> I'm gonna just think for a second. Oh, right, 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 because I think the most powerful part about psychotherapy is that it's a relationship, that you are sitting before another human being. Just the inherent containment of that reduces the shame of whatever's happening, because there's another human being witnessing the work. And also, while you're doing the work, you're helping yourself learn how to tolerate more intimacy and also vulnerability, because it's within the relationship of you and this therapist, where when we're on our own reading something, not the same it misses that quality there's also not the same level of accountability that therapy provides because there's someone who's tracking and following up with you someone's in it with you so there's like a coaching containment accountability component and that relational piece is meaningful to have someone's gaze on you as this is happening um also what's really healing is to have another human connection someone who's who who whose care you are in the care is real that is another healing piece that'd be missing from just social media accounts or self-help books. So I'm not saying these aren't good. I always advocate for reading some self-help books, the good ones, but it's not a replacement for. It's an addition to, or part of moving towards. But it can't be it in its completeness. You know, um, I'm gonna come up with another better example for that one. My example, my uh, my using stretching wasn't wasn't the best. Um, here's another one. And this is one we could go on for a while. The whole idea that, um, yeah, it can all be fixed if you just change your perspective. See? Nah. There are some systemic injustices that actually need to be dismantled and tackled. (laughs) It's not just about perspective. It's not like, oh, racism. Just have to have a different perspective. People have different opinions. What? No, that allows that to maintain itself. No, we're not doing that. That creates violence. We're not doing that. We're actually targeting homophobia, transphobia, discrimination, prejudices. No, those require action. Even the philosophical worlds of like, you know, engaged Buddhism is this whole idea. We have to go out in the world and do something with this. Don't be self-centered, individualistic, and narcissist. a narcissist by thinking that the work is just about you with yourself sitting in the lotus position in your meditation room. It's about you working on yourself so you're better for others. The whole concept of Buddhism with a lot of these yoga meditative things are born out of and mindfulness is about being better for others. You work on yourself to be better for others. You develop compassion for yourself to be more compassionate for others. It circles back outward. Even Jungian psychology, individuation is about going back, back out into the world at some point. So you, we don't work on ourselves just for ourselves. That's self-centered. It's about going out and helping to change the world as well. So it's not just about changing your perspective. That also is very victim blaming. Some people are the victim of, of oppression and violence, and they don't need to change their perspective on it. <laughs> um, it's also the, the best friend of toxic positivity. This idea that we just need to find the good in things. No, sometimes things are all bad, and anger and, and, and badness are healthy human emotions, and mental health is feeling all emotions and feeling all of them deeply, not shaming some of them and avoiding them at all costs. That's spiritual bypassing. That's a misuse of spirituality. Spirituality is about learning to be present with everything, not shaming or getting rid of what we've determined to be a bad emotion. That is not at all what it is. That's a misuse or misunderstanding. So this whole idea of like, just change your perspective or find gratitude or think positively is actually emotionally abusive. It's bypassing literally being a human, doing the work and making room and befriending all of our experiences and all of our emotions. That's what the work is. So we're, we're, we're ignoring those things. Um, the, the, here's a great quote. The history of positive thinking isn't all smiles and rainbows. Positivity and the pursuit of happiness have long been used to blame, shame, silence, and eliminate certain groups of people. Bam, I couldn't have said that better myself. So freaking true. Um, that's not the work we're trying to do. Uh, all right, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back and uh, break through some of this bad uh, social media <laughs> therapy advice, then we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page, questions, topics, and then past episodes over at wearechannelq.com. Listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, you so All we're back and we're breaking down some bad internet advice. Oh, that's right. Lots of bad stuff out there. Lots of great stuff as well. You know, I'm not knocking the work that people are trying to do. I'm all about these hashtag mental health um, advocate awareness influencers. We're normalizing. We're getting the conversations going. We're helping people get resources and connected to services. That is awesome. But we got to be thoughtful about what we're perpetuating, what we're saying, the damage we're doing, um, because that's in there as well. Listen, love that y'all are enjoying things like TikTok. Truly. Truly. But uh, that is not something that should be used to diagnose yourself for a mental health issue. It shouldn't. Mental health issues are syndromes. They are characteristics to help us understand ourselves and to guide ourselves towards treatment. That doesn't mean you are that person. No one is a depressive. No one is a borderline. No one is a schizophrenic. These are behavioral aspects that exist on a continuum in all of our lives. For some of us, we have more of it. It makes our life more hard. We have to work on it, acknowledge it, get some help around it. But we want to hold them loosely. They can grow and change. Some of them are situational, but more importantly, We do not want to use social media as our mental health diagnostic tool. (laughs) Just want to put that out there. Social media therapy is not a real thing. And it can lead people into thinking they have mental health disorders that they might not have at all. And that can lead to stigma. That can lead to other mental health issues. That can also lead them away from finding the solutions they need. There's a lot of mess in all of that. Um, Real life therapy has more nuance. People can ask the important questions. They can assess you in front of them, they actually have enough of an understanding to, to help direct you towards what might be the issue or your misunderstanding of the diagnostic criteria. Uh, it's far bigger than just if you hit these five things, then you are this thing, amen, end of story. Some issues are actually systemically caused. And even though you have those behaviors, it is not an internal issue within you. So it is not a diagnosis for you. It's a diagnosis that's about the world you are living in that you're on the receiving end of. So, you know, all these diagnoses aren't about who we are. Um, the therapy is more, more effective for that. So just really sit with that. It doesn't mean you can't relate to something that's being discussed. Um, it doesn't mean that it can't normalize some of those struggles. I think there's something awesome in that. It doesn't mean you can't necessarily find some community, but just be very thoughtful about making that the end-all be-all. Maybe take that as a springboard to do further research or to get with a mental health professional to ask some of those clarifying questions. Um, I don't see a lot of that coming in my office, but that might be again because they're already in my office and so they've already had access to me. And so, but there are some people bringing some things like, hey, I heard this on TikTok. Does this apply to me? And my thought is always, I'm glad you're paying attention. I'm glad you're being self reflective. And I'm also glad you're bringing this in so we can talk about this together. Because this can take you down some wrong paths, um, and again, some people will overly attach to a diagnosis or a term, and um, it's not enhancing or effective. It can it can be quite the opposite sometimes for them. Looking at other bad social media advice, sound bites, <laughs> statements, concepts, there's a lot. Um, <clears throat> telling you that I see this a lot with this growing field of narcissists and narcissistic abuse, and it's very. Um, it's community building and enhancing for those that have been on the receiving end of it. But it's also very shaming for those that are struggling with being less of a narcissist and working on themselves. But it's also what I'm going to zero in on is it takes the focus off and off of us and it very much puts it on this other person. And it lets us off the hook of looking at what is our role in that? Where might that actually be us and not them? And so a lot of these like um, hot takes They are very extreme examples and they're always focusing outward on the other person. I'm not saying people aren't harmed. I'm not saying people aren't victims, but sometimes we love to be a part of systems or conversations that let us off the hook and don't make us self-reflect. Because whatever it is we're talking about, at some point in the therapy journey, we do have to look at what can you learn about yourself through this? What was your role in this? How did you maybe help sustain this system What do you want to do differently next time? There has to be a learning moment. It's not about saying any of it's your fault, or maybe sometimes it is, but it is about looking at what you can learn from that. What does it say about you? It does not help you to just confirm that there's something wrong with someone else. There's nothing transformative in that. There can be topically or at first, but at some point you want to go deeper into it. How did that happen? What can we learn about you as a result of that? Not blaming you, but we're getting clarity and we're learning, we're growing that's that's a very adult perspective and i want us to really 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 honor and value that um we can't always be hyper focused on the other labeling everyone as a narcissist again looking at as though we have no role in that um i think it's kind of problematic here's another quote i'll throw at you responsibility taking is the cornerstone of healthy relationships i agree with that what's my part in this One way we take personal responsibility is to build insight and clarity around how our past relationships influence us in the present. I say that all the time in the show. When someone leaves a relationship, the most meaningful thing you can do is look back at who you were and learn about yourself as a partner and what you are potentially able to do. What are you proud of that you wanna do again and take forward? What are you not proud of that you wanna be aware of not doing again? That is one of the most meaningful things we can learn in a relationship. And we don't get there if we just keep focusing on and blaming the other person for what they did. There is no growth in that. Move beyond that. Gonna take a break, gonna do some DMs, and then we're gonna come back to this topic. So stick around, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. All right, y'all, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs.
0: Sliding into the DMs.
2: DMs come from our Love Line IG page. Anything you're wondering about, drop your questions in there. This one says Hey, Dr. Chris, my girlfriend moved in at the beginning of quarantine. We were only dating for a few months at that time. Noticed a lot of things about her since then as we're still cohabitating and it's not seeming to go well. Bum, 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 bum. I think it's time to ask her to leave, but what can I do? I wake up often unhappy and I think it's ultimately unhealthy and toxic for me. Uh, I mean, without knowing much more, I think you kind of answered it. What do you need to do? You need to have that adult conversation. You know, as I say all the time, if we are going to be getting into relationships, we have to take seriously that responsibility that we will share with this other, whatever it is we're thinking or feeling, you know, and how they're impacting us. So I always want to say before you go to such a drastic move as to end a relationship or ask someone to leave, just make sure you've brought the issues to them. That's a sign of respect and care. And again, that is the commitment we make in all relationships, that we will let someone know if there's an issue so they can help be a part of the solution. We often don't do that. And then it goes on too long, resentments build, and then we feel as though there's nothing more we can do but end it. Or we've gotten to a place where it is really that toxic and all we can do is move on. So try to bring it up and bring it forward. It's something we need to get comfortable with and a lot of practice with. And if it's not resolvable, well, then it's a very fair thing to do to say, I don't think that we should be living together or maybe even be together at all. And that has to be able to be said. You know, again, we're trying to form relationships with people that are safe enough to have those conversations. Um, And if you've done that work, well, then it's fair to ask them to leave, you know? And, um, but again, that's the commitment we make that we'll have that willingness to do that. So that's what you have to do. There's no easy way to do it at all. It's a difficult thing. And it's going to be hard maybe for this other person to hear, or maybe not. Maybe they're very much also aware that things have been kind of tough. Um, so check it out. Uh, we got another one. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, can you please give some tips on how to discuss open relationships? I've been trying to bring it up with a partner, uh, but I'm afraid I'll say the same, uh, or I'll say the wrong thing. And then I won't know how to react if the answer is no. Well, the answer might be no. You know, all these discussions are about finding what's healthy for both of you, but more importantly, what's healthy for the relationship. And uh, you have to have an understanding first of what you're asking for. So I always tell people do a lot of research What is an open relationship? What are the different options? What are the pros and cons of each option? There's pros and cons to monogamy, there's pros and cons to non-monogamy. And we have to make sure that we're built in a way to be able to pull that off, and also that we're in the right kind of relationship with the right partner who can pull that off. Some people's historical relational, AKA attachment, traumas or issues won't allow them to ever feel safe and secure in anything outside of monogamy. Other people realize monogamy for them is about playing it safe and not really dealing with jealousy and fear and anxiety and it's healthy for them to practice, you know, letting that go. So, you know, educate yourself first that again, you know what you're asking for so that you can answer questions so that you're clear. And then you bring it to your partner and you realize that this might be something that's an ongoing conversation. It's not a one-off a decision that's made on the fly. It's something you might be coming back and forth in and out of for weeks, months, years. Right, because it's got to be both. It's got to be something that you're both comfortable and open to doing. That's the base, the best bet. Hear your partner's concerns and anxieties. Try to problem solve that. Let them know the deeper meaning as to why you want that, and also be open to the deeper meaning that they provide as to why they might also want that or don't want that. But know that there's a lot of options. There's so many options that fall under the non-monogamy umbrella. So be open to exploring maybe all of them. It can't necessarily be what you want. Because for some people, non-monogamy is a true orientation. They're Not, not everyone is built for monogamy. It is not right for everyone. For some people, it's far more difficult than what they're built to tolerate and they shouldn't have to deal with that, right? Um, and then for others, maybe it's more of a lifestyle. It's something they want temporarily, they wanna check out, they wanna explore. So be open. It's an important conversation. It's a powerful conversation. We learn a lot about ourselves and the other and the relationship in general. Uh, But jealousy is not a reason to not do something. In fact, jealousy is a signal that maybe we need to work on building more trust and connection. And sometimes non-monogamy is a really powerful way to start to do that, you know, and to work on other powerful relationships. All right, y'all, we got to take a break. Check out uh, other shows. Other episodes of the show, I should say, over at we are channelq.com. Stick around though, we'll be back. You're listening to Love Live with Dr. Chris on Channel Q in Odyssey. We'll be back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're looking at bad internet advice. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Again, social media, awesome resource building, destigmatizing, getting conversations going, a lot of learning, connected to resources. But we are taking things sometimes too seriously. We are not looking at ourselves. We are often looking at and applying this to everyone else, but never saying, how might I do that? Where might I do that? What can I learn from this? Um, Sometimes we're disempowering ourselves. Sometimes we're needlessly shaming ourselves. We're stepping into something that doesn't apply to us, but we think it does. All sorts of mess that can come of that. So just be very thoughtful about some of this advice. Sometimes it can make things worse. Sometimes it can actually move us away from the way we want to be or the kind of world we want to be a part of um trauma this is a hot freaking topic in the field some people think we're using the word too much other people think we're not using it enough i think we're not using it enough i think we all go through big t traumas and small t traumas i think a lot of what we're struggling with including addictions a response to trauma addiction's not a disease we know that It's a response to trauma. Trauma is the gateway drug, not marijuana. Trauma is what causes people to have a problematic relationship with drugs and alcohol. We need to do the trauma work. A lot of what we're working through in our relationships and our relational problems are the results of big traumas or small traumas based on all the different relationships we've been in prior, including our family of origin. I think a lot of our mental health stuff is trauma. Someone isn't a borderline as though they asked for that. They were traumatized into that. That was an attempt to cope with an unhealthy environment. They adopted those defense mechanisms and coping skills. Drug and alcohol addiction is the same thing. That was a coping mechanism, a defense against something in the world you were struggling with, something that was going on. Self-esteem, literal abuse, whatever other things might be going on, identity confusion. There's so many different reasons as to how these things occur, but it doesn't have to just be life or death events. And that's why we now have what we call trauma-informed practice um significant events it doesn't have to be a natural disaster a death an assault we used to think that um and i think that that victim blames sometimes when we realize that a lot of the things we might be struggling with are the result of harm that was done to us or harmful environments it can reduce some of that shame and stigma i think that's really important um but again some people think we're we're misusing and misunderstanding these things i don't think so all the adults i work with that have adult relational struggles, you can pretty much often in a lot of cases pinpoint the relationships prior or their early childhood family of origin stuff. You can kind of see why they developed the relational style they developed because they were with parents that flooded them and overwhelmed them. So they're a little avoidant or defensive, or they were around partners consistently that they dated that they couldn't really trust. And so they developed an anxious attachment style. They don't have Experiences of people being reliable, consistent, available, and responsive. And so they're always hyper-attuned to being left. There's all these really big examples. Sometimes they're very small examples that have added up to create this bigger response. It doesn't mean that these things are going to lead to clinically significant post-traumatic stress disorder. And a lot of us are saying, let's not use the D. It's post-traumatic stress. It's not a disorder. It's actually very ordered. It's a very understandable, reasonable, common way of responding to what happened. That isn't disordered. That is an ordered, expected response. But a lot of these things aren't going to create post-traumatic stress where you're going to be having hypervigilance, flashback, flashbacks, excuse me, and all the other things that we might expect. It might be smaller things. So you might have just more anxiety, more self-defeating thoughts, less willingness to trust, lower levels of tolerance for intimacy, more difficulty with communication or boundary setting, You know, struggling to really have self-care. Those might be the smaller sprinkles. So it's not always about identifying, was this a trauma, where does it come from? Because knowing where it comes from doesn't dictate the course of treatment. Generally, or what needs to be done. We can just start with where we are, look at what's going on around us and say, where does the work need to begin? And often it's the relational stuff. But I think we get in the way when we listen to these TikToks and we just listen to some random person and their understanding or interpretation of their experience. That's their experience. And you having experience of something doesn't mean you understand how to work with it or that you understand the other ways that that can exist or be applied. You know, that's why we go to experts and scholars. So, you know, again, use them as starting points to get more research, to get more information, to ask more questions. Maybe use it as a springboard to see a professional, to better understand, to set a course of treatment. Um, some people get trapped in these online forums and it's just bitching and, bitching and bitching and bitching and bitching and complaining, 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 complaining and blaming, blaming, blaming. But that keeps you stuck. There's no movement in that so just be very thoughtful about that be very cautious of that i I, I do see that happen sometimes um all right we're gonna take a break and then later we're gonna be doing some dms so uh just a shout out to that if you got some dms for us drop those questions topics you want us to cover things you want us to circle back to drop those in the dms on our love line ig page and uh, past episodes we are channelq.com is where you want to go scroll down look for love line and click on it you can binge post share re-listen. lots of good stuff over there so um check that out and uh, when we come back, we're going to keep talking about some of this bad internet advice. Um, you know, again, it's not all bad. I think there's some goodness in it, but we just want to be critical thinkers. You know, who's saying this? What are they leaving out? Does this apply to me? What can I learn from this? And where can I go find out more? You know, so stick around You're listening to Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We will be right back. So uh, stick around and join us. See you in a minute. All right, y'all. we are back and we're talking about bad social media advice. <laughs> God bless it, right? Um, lots of bad advice out there. <laughs> lots of good advice out there as well. I want to keep holding space for that. I want to keep rounding it out. Awesome things out there. We've all been scrolling through something and we landed on what we needed to hear that day. Something that led us on a journey and we did research and read more. Maybe it was a reminder that we're like, it's time to get into therapy. So there's good things out there. And again, these mental health awareness people aren't trying to create harm and often they don't, but there are some that do, because like I said, they are perpetuating misinformation or false information or outdated information, or they're not applying it correctly. And people then wind up getting stuck in blaming others, not really looking at, you know, how they can learn or grow themselves as a result of this. And we always go outward. And I think the work is about going inward. And I wish more people said first before they applied it to everyone else, I wish they would first say, how does this apply to me? When do I do that? How can I stop doing that? Is this me start there? that would be the best thing if nothing else. Before you start labeling everyone else as a narcissist and everyone's gaslighting you, start by saying, wow, gaslighting, huh? Do I do that? How do I do that? Who do I do that with? Before I start looking at who's gaslighting me in my life, oh, you read an article on narcissistic abuse? When have you done a form of that? When have you been a narcissist? When have you had a negative impact on someone else's life? Start with yourself first, especially if you're currently in a relationship. Please, First, start by assessing yourself and the impact you're having on those around you. Don't jump off with these topics, applying them to everyone else first. The healthiest people are the ones that are personalizing and self-reflecting. They are first saying as they're reading a self-help book or a meme or in TikTok story, is this me? When do I do this? How can I be aware of not doing this? And that's how I, I said this. I love this. I always say this in my office. When you start sessions, by calling yourself out saying, let me show you or tell you what I'm proud of doing this week. Let me show you or tell you what I did this week where I'm working on improving this or a couple session where they say, let me tell you what I'm proud of having done as a partner. Let me start by telling you where I let my partner down. That is when we know we're doing good work. Just like I always say, what are you working on? And if you don't know what you're working on, then you need to take a moment and say, what do I need to work on to be a better human in the world and to have a better impact on those around me? We start with ourselves first. But a lot of these TikToks and social media accounts are about diagnosing everyone around you. We don't diagnose people we don't know. But it's always about blaming others, diagnosing others. And it's always like, great, start with yourself, but we don't wanna do that. We often don't want the self-reflection or the accountability, but that's mental health is you. Impact you're having out there. So start there first, if nothing else. Um, And that goes back to our next point the whole idea of our perspectives are valid and should never change. Um, We all have to constantly be updating our perspectives on things because a lot of our perspectives are rooted in what's going on with us now or what happened to us before. So I'm really proud of the work some people do where they after having had horrible relationships, say, you know what? I'm gonna go back out into the dating world and try again. Or I'm gonna to try to reconnect with that friend because I miss them. And I know that that conflict really led to our distance, our distancing and loss of friendship, but I miss them and I wanna try again. Or even reaching out and apologizing. You know, you're, you're giving yourself and other people in the world a chance again. And I think that that's really powerful. We have to constantly be updating our perspectives. Um, A lot of the ones we have, again, are an accumulation of what's happened to us up till now, but that doesn't speak to what's possible or what's coming next. We don't want to live in the past. We have to constantly be updating our paradigms with new information. With all the new information we get, we have to constantly be updating, but that's why we have to constantly be learning. That's why I'm always advocating for spend some time learning, journaling, thinking, writing, therapy, meditating. That is where we work on our souls, our, our our emotions, our psychology, because we're great at working on everything else. We're great at working on our house and repainting. We're great on getting ourselves to the gym if we want to change our body. We are great at getting our hair dyed or our teeth fixed. We're great at all of these other things, updating our fashion, updating our playlist, all external, all material. But I'll say to someone: the last time we worked on changing your thinking, working with your emotions, your psychology, most people don't have an answer. The answer is never, or that that's not important to them, or they don't have the time. But yet look at how much time they're putting into their job, 40 hours a week, 50 hours a week, 60 hours a week. Look at how much time they're putting into the gym. Look at how much time they're putting into a hobby. Just take 20 minutes a day. <laughs> take one day a week carve out a little bit of that space. You're doing it for you, you're doing it for others, you're doing it for those you're around. What a beautiful thing. So I love this idea, we have to constantly be learning. It's life's work. Most of us, again, get caught up in everything else and we never do that. And then we wonder why we're not living the lives full of purpose and meaning. That we, don't, we can't then wonder why we're not in the most robust relationships. Um, that's why. And I'm also thoughtful. On the show, I'll sometimes give tips and tricks as ways to manage things. And I want to make sure the message isn't that the work is about getting rid of, because I think that's also part of this bad mental health advice is the idea that if something feels wrong or off, we immediately need to be on the path of eliminating it. And that's why, again, with this mindfulness and acceptance, I'm trying to remind ourselves that these are natural expected parts of humanity and living in the world. And we have to learn how to deal with them and encounter them. Every time something happens that makes us uncomfortable, it can't be we have to get away from it or get rid of it. That will make us be always doing two things. We'll always be running and we'll constantly be shrinking our lives down, getting smaller and smaller and smaller. So that discomfort, that tolerable level of discomfort is a sign that we have to grow around that, we need to lean in. And that's what I want more of this social media advice to be about, leaning into what makes us uncomfortable, leaning into what feels intolerable, learning how to tolerate more, learning how to still function and carry these things with us. You're gonna hear a lot of that terminology in the right places, in the right spaces. Um, that's why I'm bummed out by some of those pharmac- uh, pharmaceutical commercials. Cause again, they, they make us think that life should be about always having a smile on our face and feeling happy. It's a misunderstanding. They're just trying to sell a product. Um, all right, we're gonna take a break. When we come back, we're going to finish up talking about bad social media advice. And uh, then we'll be doing some DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Got a topic you want us to hit, something you want us to circle back to, put that in there as well. And uh, go over to wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for Loveline and click on it. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Lots of good stuff over there. Lots of relearning to do, unlearning and then relearning, I should say. Changing and updating our perspectives. Stick around though, we got more to come. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris, Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, we're back and we're just finishing up our discussion on bad therapy advice. Basically, it's bad social media therapy advice. Always consult a healthcare professional. Um, TikTokers, social media influencers, mental health advocates, they are not professionals. They are not scholars. That does not mean they don't have important things to um, add to the conversation. I think that knowledge and wisdom can come from many different sources. And there's a lot of people that are out there really trying to do the work. But um, just be thoughtful. Just be cautious. Um, not everyone whose license is necessarily on point either. So, you know, it's not a battle. It's just critical thought, critical thinking. Does this apply? Who's this leaving out? Where's this coming from? <laughs> um, <clears throat> I think that those are really, really important ones. All right. So what else do we have? Um, let's see, let's see, let's see. I'm going through a whole pile of stuff. I want to come up with some good ones. Um. Oh, I like this one a little bit. Don't take things so personally. Um, you know, again, I'm always advocating for us to look at ourselves first. So although I don't want us to take everything that's said to us to be truth, because sometimes it's situational, it's a result of what us and this person have co-created or it's a result of an experience that they've had that they're projecting onto us. And like I always say as well, you know, other people's opinions about someone might be their experience and you might have a better more sustainable, happier experience of someone. So someone's experience isn't always universal truth. But I do want us to sometimes say, well, maybe this is about me. Maybe this is about something I've done or have not done. What's the learning moment? What's the learning piece? What's the takeaway? We talked about that right before the break. I think it's really important for us to always start with ourselves first. How does this apply to me? What can I learn from this? What does this say about me? Versus always saying it's them. It tells me about them. Everything, you know. Because there are some people that move through the world thinking the issue is everyone else. I think that can be really dangerous. Um, I think we can learn a lot about our experiences by reflecting it back at us. Um, That's not to say there's something to learn in everything. And, you know, it's that funny saying with like, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Well, or what doesn't kill you makes you less resilient and more traumatized and becomes something you'll struggle with for the rest of your life. So (laughs) it really can go either way, you know the experiences we have and the ways we were raised moves us away from that behavior because we are sensitive to not recreating that. We've built the awareness or consciousness, um, or it moves us towards because it's familiar, it's internalized, it's known. That's why I think like the, the biggest, um, healing perspective or the one universal that you can apply to everything is just that consciousness paying attention to the impact something's having on you and um, looking at the ways you're moving through the world. So many different psychological theories that are rooted in that. Um, Some that totally ignore that and bypass that, but the ones I really value are the ones where you're looking at what are your ethics and your values? And are those the things that you're using to guide your life? Or are you getting overwhelmed and really hooked with your emotional experience and letting that guide you? Letting your emotions guide you isn't always the smartest thing. Emotions are important. I want us to be connected to them. I want us to not be afraid of them. I want us to be able to vocalize them. They give us really important information. They're also how we connect to others, but they're not the best compass. To direct what our behavior should be our values and our ethics are those won't let us down but again we talked about this on another show we don't usually have those worked out most people don't know what their values or ethics are because we don't live in a world where that's something that's questioned or brought to us we work on our career goals and our body goals and you know what kind of car we want house if you say to someone what's your future they'll start talking about materialism objects they don't talk about values and ethics So maybe make that the takeaway of the show. Sit down and say, what are my ethics and my values? And am I moving towards those or away from those? And those are what I go back to when I'm trying to figure out how I wanna be or who I wanna be in a situation. My emotions don't dictate my behaviors, though we tend to let them dictate our behaviors, but there's other things I can use to really direct me and to help me decide who and how to be in a certain moment. That is mental health. That's mindfulness. That's intentionality. It's paying attention to impact. That ever important thing I call the observing ego that healthy people have where they're watching themselves move through the world, ever aware of what's happening around them and who they're being and how they're impacting others. It's my favorite sound bite. I I think I probably say that once a show, but I think that's something that's really important for us to drill home. And that's why I think journaling is really important um, or at least reflection and contemplation. And like I said, all the time, using the work you're reading as a, as a workbook to say, when do I do that? When do I not do that? What should I start doing more of really, really, really tracking yourself? And that's what therapy can provide. That's what these social media accounts and TikToks can provide that follow through that follow up, that tracking, um, that accountability, that containment. Um, so anyway, the year's starting off still. So maybe, Think about building this in, carving out five minutes every day to do this, uh, one day a week, whatever it is, push back on some of the other responsibilities you have. Without this, y'all, we got nothing. Um, All right, we're gonna take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be doing some DMs. DMs are on our Loveline IG page. Put the questions in there, not on my DMs. And uh, we'll get answers for you. Whatever you're wondering about, someone else might be wondering about that as well. Topics you want, things you want us to circle back and cover again, always happy to do so. Want the work to be relatable and accessible. That's why we got it all over it. We are channelq.com. Scroll down, look for Love Line and click on it. You can binge, post, share, re listen. A lot of the things you're wondering about, we've covered. You can go back, unlearn, and then relearn some better perspectives. Um, but yeah, stick around because when we come back, we're going to be dropping some gems. So um, enjoy the music, but don't go anywhere. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around, y'all. We'll be back.
1: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place with LinkedIn. You can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/recommend today.
2: We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only twenty-five dollars a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile,
1: get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for twenty-five bucks per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch
0: deserve this rich
2: golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste or if you overcame Tourist, tour. you deserve this ice cold reward modello the mark of the fight trick responsibly beer imported by crowning port chicago illinois all right y'all we are back now it's time to slide into those dms
0: sliding into the dms
2: wow this is a punchy one this is a good one though this one says, hey, Dr. Kristen Loveline, I recently found a secret account that my son has where he promotes gay materials. Man, I don't even know what that means. Promotes gay materials. I have no problem with him being gay. Well, good. And even if you did, that's, that's your work. <laughs> your son doesn't need to know that, right? And your job as a parent is to love your son and support who they are, who they are and who they're working on becoming. It's not about you. It's not about your comfort. It's not about your needs. You're there to support them. And if that makes you uncomfortable, you have to go and do that work yourself, right? So I'm glad that you're comfortable with your child being the child that they are. What I have a problem with is this lack of concern for safety, you say. Some of the things are explicit. Again, I don't know what that means. I don't know what explicit means to you. um, And I don't know what you mean by a lack of concern for safety. But nonetheless, you said, but for my husband, oh, I'm sorry, but my husband said we can't talk to him unless he comes to us but I want to confront him. What should I do? Well, we never confront people. And I say that as a way to really make us think our approach. Confrontation, in my mind, is always about harshness, aggressive, I'm right, you're wrong, it's a power play. That's not fair, kind, or appropriate. If you were to talk to your son, and we'll circle back to that part, you need to do it in a loving, curious way. Healthy ways of approaching something whether you agree with it or not, I think it's appropriate is with openness and curiosity, trying to understand why this other person's doing what they're doing, trying to understand the meaning and purpose, and more importantly, the value in it for them. Your son is doing this for a reason. He might be doing it to explore and get more confident with his own sexuality. He might be doing it to provide that for others. He might be doing it to build community. He might be doing it as a form of sexuality, engaging with others around what he's posting. I don't know if he has access to partners. I don't know if he feels ready to have sex with others in real time. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what this is about, but there might be a really important psychological mechanism for him with his identity or building community. Most likely, very few gay people have a lot of gay access to others and community and sex in their in the world around them. Uh, so maybe this is how he finds others to engage with. And it might just be via the sharing of explicit material. Some people use the apps to have sex. They don't ever meet up with someone, but they use it for exchanging photos and dialogue. And that's just kind of what they're looking for at that time. Uh, so your husband said you can't talk to him until he comes to you. Well, it, it depends what it is that you're seeing. You know, if you really are truly worried about your son and his safety, well, then I think it's really reasonable to own what you found. Right. And apologize for maybe violating his boundaries and his privacy, because I don't know if that's part of this as well—that you, you know, really took advantage and, um, like I said, violated all that or not. But if it isn't something that really involves safety, well, then you're right, you you, you don't have a, a, a need to confront him, that's his life. And you need to lean back and wait for him to share parts with you, we don't wanna force our way in. But if you are really worried, excuse me, worried about his safety, do talk about it. I would want important people in my life, if they're worried about my safety, to sit down and talk to me about it, but I'd want them to do it non-confrontationally because there's nothing right or wrong there as much as you're trying to effectively just communicate care and concern. We can't hear that if we're put on the defense because someone comes comes at us in a really intense way. So you have to come in soft, cut from your true place of concern. And basically you're saying, if you know, here's what I saw, here's what I'm thinking, and I am available if you want to talk more about it. But if not, you have to leave that to your son. I don't know how old he is. If he's of age, well then yes, you definitely need to let go. So your husband's both right and wrong. It really depends on what your true motive is because I don't know if your son has confidence in his gay identity or his sexuality. It could be very threatening for a parent to really lean into that. So unless it really is a safety threat, I do agree you should let it go. And this is your son's privacy around his sexuality, right? But if it's a safety issue, then maybe do bring it in, but do it soft and curious because your relationship to your son does matter. And you should be approaching this topic with consideration to that. I'm not trying to burn down our relationship. I'm not trying to make it more difficult. I'm not trying to make this person, you know, my son feel unsafe with me. So everything's done with those thoughts in mind and within that context, right? And so that should dictate the wording you use, the approach you have. Um, Okay, so think about that. You know, I think you need to do a little practice or some, you know, Thought. So really check in on your motives around that because we don't want to harm. We're trying to help. And so it has to, you know, the process and the content of the process have to very much align with that and be driven from that. All right, Joe, so that is our show. We'll be back tomorrow. Whew. Have a great rest of your night, y'all. Thanks for hanging out. And y'all enjoy the rest of your night. See you soon.
1: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue.